You're listening to the Quince podcast. After playing supporting characters, Joe Biden is finally the protagonist as he officially secured the Democratic nomination as the 2020 presidential candidate on 18th August, tallying vote by party delegates from 50 states and seven national territories in what was the first virtual national party roll call vote. Thank you to all our delegations. I'm pleased to announce that Vice President Joe Biden has officially been nominated by the Democratic Party as our candidate for President of the United States. Vice President Biden is hereby invited to deliver an acceptance speech. Well, thank you very, very much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all. It means the world to me and my family. And I'll see you on Thursday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, the Democratic Party had to hold a virtual convention and abandon its initial plans to hold this week's nominating convention in the city of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. But most would agree that the high-tech production, the top-notch performances by artists and musicians, the diverse sampling of speakers and the display of diverse local cultures, customs and languages delivered quite the powerful attack against the Republicans. Now so far in the initial 2 days of the DNC we've also heard testimonies and speeches from Michelle Obama, Senator Bernie Sanders, from Jill Biden who's Joe Biden's wife, former US President Bill Clinton, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and many others who used the platform to criticize US President Donald Trump's policies and also highlight issues of national security, accountability, inequality and healthcare. So what are the biggest takeaways from the Democratic National Convention of 2020? Let's dive right into it. You're listening to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbri. Joe Biden had launched his first presidential bid in 1987, but his hopes came crashing down as he had to drop out over a plagiarism scandal. When he didn't opt to run for presidency in 2016, most would have thought that his presidential dream had come to an end. But Biden's is a story of a candidate who stuck through a long interlude between holding his first office in 1973 and running for presidency 47 years later in 2020. And the stakes are as high as it can get as Biden and US President Donald Trump are headed for a face-off in the US presidential elections of 2020 that is set to take place in the middle of this pandemic on November 3rd as US battles one of the worst outbreaks of coronavirus in the world. Now Trump and Biden have held starkly different views on most matters in their socio-economic policies. Trump for instance consistently has campaigned for tax reductions and regulatory cuts to boost the economy as he continues to be the conservative favorite. While the US faces the highest number of infections in the world and decades low unemployment, Trump believes that to recover from this economic crisis, America has to open up fully. While Biden, a veteran politician, has often pitched his Oval Office experience from his vice presidential stint to prove that he can do the job as he rallied for the need for sweeping federal action and federal spending to combat the pandemic in the country, to help businesses in the country to rebuild the economy along with fighting the systematic inequalities. 
and the Democratic National Convention focused on these core themes of the coronavirus crisis, the resulting economic downturn and racial inequality as Democrats kicked off the convention with a showcase of diversity and unity against Trump. While giving the platform to politicians and orators, the convention also shared the platform with a diverse voter base like the families of George Floyd and Eric Garner, both of whom died due to police brutality, the deaths rekindled a massive cultural movement in USA and also forced a global reckoning to fight against racial injustice, something that the Democrats also have been rallying for in this election. It's a fitting legacy for our brother, but George should be alive today. Breonna Taylor should be alive today. Ahmaud Arbery should be alive today. Eric Garner should be alive today. Stefan Clark, Tatiana Jefferson, Sandra Bland, they should all be alive today. So it's up to us to carry on the fight for justice. At a time when the convention was forced to take the digital route for the first time due to the pandemic that killed more than 1,68,000 Americans, the speakers also included a woman who lost a Trump-supporting father to COVID-19, a recent college graduate from Montana, a registered nurse from New York, and a fourth-generation farmer from Kansas. Former First Lady Michelle Obama, who was one of the speakers at the DNC, didn't hold back her criticism of Trump while talking about the lack of leadership in addressing the crisis of systematic racism, job losses and the ongoing battle with coronavirus. Unlike her soft punches from 2016, this time she quite clearly said, and I'm quoting her, Trump is the wrong president. Donald Trump is the wrong president for our country. If you think Things cannot possibly get worse. Trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it. More than 150,000 people have died and our economy is in shambles because of a virus that this president downplayed for too long. It has left millions of people jobless. Too many have lost their health care. Too many are struggling to take care of basic necessities like food and rent. Too many communities have been left in the lurch to grapple with whether and how to open our schools safely. Internationally, we've turned our back, not just on agreements forged by my husband, but on alliances championed by presidents like Reagan and Eisenhower. And here at home, as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered, stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighborhoods. They're purging voter rolls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters and they're lying about the security of our ballots. These tactics are not new, but This is not the time to withhold our votes in protest or play games with candidates who have no chance of winning. We have got to vote like we did in 2008 and 2012. 
Former second lady Jill Biden, who used to teach English at a community college, delivered a convention speech from an empty classroom. As she came back to her former classroom, room number 232 in Brandywine High School in Wilmington, Delaware, she spoke of the loss that America has been facing in this pandemic and also said that if her husband is elected, then the empty classrooms will quote-unquote ring out with laughter and possibility. Former US President Bill Clinton also made a brief comeback in this convention as he lay out the two choices before voters. Either a quote-unquote go-to-work president or Trump who he mockingly described to be a quote president who defines the job as spending hours a day watching TV and zapping people on social media, end quote. Clinton also stressed on accountability and pointed out Trump's constant denial of responsibility saying that the buck never stops there. Good evening. A presidential election is the world's most important job interview. At the end, we hire a leader to help us solve problems, create opportunities, and give our kids better tomorrows. That's a tall order this year, with the COVID-19 outbreak on a path to killing 200,000 people and destroying millions of jobs and small businesses. How did Donald Trump respond? At first, he said the virus was under control and would soon disappear. When it didn't, He was on TV every day bragging on what a great job he was doing, while our scientists waited to give us vital information. When he didn't like the expert advice he was given, he ignored it. Only when COVID exploded in even more states did he encourage people to wear masks. By then, many more were dying. When asked about the surge in deaths, he shrugged and said, it is what it is. But did it have to be this way? No. COVID hit us much harder than it had to. We have just 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's COVID cases. Our unemployment rate is more than twice as high as South Korea's, two and a half times the United Kingdom's, more than three times Japan's. Donald Trump says we're leading the world. Well, we are the only major industrial economy to have its unemployment rate tripled. Senator Bernie Sanders, who was the other final candidate in the primaries, urged his core supporters to back Biden, warning that the price of failure is just too great to imagine. Even though Sanders had criticized Biden's legislative records earlier, the Democratic Socialists have been keeping aside the differences and putting up a unified front against Trump. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. But let us be clear, if Donald Trump is re-elected, All the progress we have made will be in jeopardy. The future of our democracy is at stake. The future of our economy is at stake. The future of our planet is at stake. We must come together, defeat Donald Trump, and elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as our next president and vice president. We're facing the worst public health crisis in 100 years and the worst economic collapse since the Great Depression. We are confronting systemic racism and the enormous threat to our planet of climate change. And in the midst of all of this, we have a president who is not only incapable of addressing these crises, but is leading us down the path of authoritarianism. We need an unprecedented response, a movement like never before, of people who are prepared to stand up and fight for democracy and decency and against greed, oligarchy, and bigotry. And we need 
Joe Biden as our next president. This election is about preserving our democracy. During this president's term, the unthinkable has become normal. He has tried to prevent people from voting, undermined the U.S. Postal Service, deployed the military and federal agents against peaceful protesters, threatened to delay the election, and suggested that he will not leave office if he loses. This president is not just a threat to our democracy, but by rejecting science, he has put our lives and health in jeopardy. Together, we must build a nation that is more equitable, more compassionate, and more inclusive. But a royal snub came from Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who didn't mention Biden at all, instead nominated Senator Bernie Sanders. And a lot of people were unhappy that AOC was given only a minute to talk, but in that one-minute speech, AOC put the spotlight back on 21st century people's movements as she called for a deep and systematic solution to guarantee healthcare, higher education, living rights and labor wages for everyone. Good evening, bienvenidos, and thank you to everyone here today endeavoring towards a better, more just future for our country and our world. In fidelity and gratitude, to a mass people's movement working to establish 21st century social, economic, and human rights, including guaranteed healthcare, higher education, living wages, and labor rights for all people in the United States. A movement striving to recognize and repair the wounds of racial injustice, colonization, misogyny, and homophobia and to propose and build reimagined systems of immigration and foreign policy that turn away from the violence and xenophobia of our past. A movement that realizes the unsustainable brutality of an economy that rewards explosive inequalities of wealth for the few at the expense of long-term stability for the many, and who organized a historic grassroots campaign to reclaim our democracy. In a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep systemic solutions to our crises of mass evictions, unemployment, and lack of health care, in el espíritu del pueblo, and out of a love for all people, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. What perhaps holds a lot of gravity for Biden is the support that he's getting from some of the Republicans. Cindy McCain, the widow of Senator John McCain, became the latest Republican to back Biden. She recounted the kind of friendship that Biden and McCain shared while praising the Democratic candidate. Another Republican, Colin Powell, the former Secretary of State in the George W. Bush administration, also delivered a message in support for Mr. Biden and said that Biden will, quote, Trust our diplomats and our intelligence community, not the flattery of dictators and despots. End quote. In the run-up to November elections, this is just the beginning. As the Trump versus Biden race to the White House intensifies, we will bring you all the latest updates, so stay tuned to The Quint. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section 
For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequin.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.